1: It's Friday, October 20th, 2023, the 1,000 day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release, The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So, once again today, we are going to be talking about the Speaker of the House process and about what's going on in Israel. The fake president, Joe Biden, addressed the television cameras and sort of thereby the country from what we are led to believe was the Oval Office. And he begged the American people for money to send to both Ukraine and Israel. And so we're going to talk about that once we get through the speaker stuff. But before we get to any of that, I want to make sure that something we talked about is fresh in everybody's minds. The idea that right now we have all the leverage and we do have all the leverage. The uniparty right and the uniparty left want a speaker of the House as fast as possible so that that speaker will allow their spending bills to go forward. The continuing resolution that was passed a couple of weeks ago leading to Kevin McCarthy's ouster will expire in 28 days. And if they want to continue committing the American people and future generations of the American people to a permanent indentured servitude, then they need a speaker of the House so that they can pass more legislation to do that. If they don't have one, uh, the government might shut down. And that, we're told, is horrifying. And as you will hear in Joe Biden's speech, they are also begging for a Speaker of the House to be elected so that they can get a hundred billion dollars and ship that hundred billion dollars around the world to support unnecessary wars that do not in any way affect the national security of the United States. We are expected to consent to having our indentured servitude extended indefinitely to fight wars around the world that we are not involved in and about which we have been lied to thoroughly. Every detail about everything in Ukraine and Israel so far has been changed and edited at least once because they find that the story they're telling isn't working. It is good that supporters of the America First ideology and the America First movement, all of the MAGA people out there are calling their congressmen and getting involved. It is certainly a good thing to get familiar with that process and push on the representatives to do what you want them to do. It is good that people are demanding of these rhinos that they get on board with the program. And it is good that we see them fail to do that. The ideal conclusion of this situation, as I continue to believe, is no speaker. And my whole hashtag vacate Congress thing seems to be catching on. Everyone thought it was crazy a couple of weeks ago. Everyone's scared of the chaos. We need a speaker. Republicans are going to look irresponsible. Oh, there's chaos. Republicans can't govern. They sent us here to govern and no one is governing. How are the people going to accept this? Everybody knows we need a speaker. We want the house to do the people's business and therefore we need a speaker. Well, turns out you don't. And the house does not need to do the people's business because the house doesn't do the people's business. There is nothing the house could do that would qualify as the people's business because most of them sit there illegitimately. And all they can do is pass spending bills that the Senate will approve of and that the fake president will sign into fake law. And all of that gives the global bankers permission to create fiat currency out of nothing with our extended indentured servitude being the only collateral that gives it value. There is nothing a speaker of the house can can do or accomplish on our behalf. And even if I was to grant you that there was some possible benefit to having a Speaker of the House through this next year, let's say, that still would not be enough incentive to change positions on this. We have all the leverage. They're telling us that every day through their freakouts. They are telling us they are desperate. They are begging they need a speaker of the house because they need to keep the money flowing. They need the wars. They need a speaker. They need us without us. Their only other option is to allow the uniparty to be exposed in full uniparty. Right. Members would have to join with the uniparty left to elect a speaker. Would the uniparty left go along with Kevin McCarthy? No, no. Probably not. There's absolutely no way they could sell that to all the deranged communists. They need to continue siding with them in order to sell to the American public that the Democrats could win anywhere in the country at this point. So they can't go along with Kevin McCarthy. Could they go along with Liz Cheney? I bet enough of them could. So maybe we'll see that. Maybe that will be the bipartisan consensus that they reach. Or will a few of these rhinos, a few of these members of the uniparty right, join with Democrats to make Hakeem Jeffries the Speaker of the House? That would not only hurt those members who side with the Democrats openly, that would hurt all of the members who have refused to make Jim Jordan Speaker. And I imagine that if the communications were done properly and we were really able to push this idea That responsibility could fall at the feet of all the Republicans who voted for the continuing resolution that led to the motion to vacate in the first place. All of them have sided with Democrats in direct opposition to what the American people want them to do. The Uniparty is announcing itself, and we should all applaud that. This is not something to fear. This is not something to worry about. There is nothing they are going to do on your behalf. They are not going to impeach the fake president. They are not going to reveal important new information through their investigations that are not investigations. All they are doing is disclosing a small amount of information to the mainstream public. Almost all of that information is already available and can be spread by us right now. All of the information on Joe Biden is there in the report on the Biden laptop by Marco Polo. You can simply read that. We don't need to wait for it to become official through these same congressmen talking about it on TV. All the leverage is ours. They need a speaker. We do not need a speaker. They're going to provide us some marginal benefit. Well, who cares? A much better benefit is to exercise our leverage. And when you understand that you have leverage and the party on the downside of that leverage, not only will not agree to what you have presented, they actually try in public to destroy everyone with the leverage in order to destroy their leverage. That is them being combative In a situation where they have no leverage. That is not your cue to back down off your demands and compromise. That is your cue to increase your demands. Our leverage is great. Our leverage is complete. It is 100% leverage. They are in a bind. They are basically in a catch 22. They can do what MAGA wants, which Right now is Jim Jordan. It's not what I want, but it's what people collectively seem to want at this stage in the process. Maybe we can speed that along and get people past that. But right now it's Jim Jordan. They're not willing to do it. And we don't have to budge because this is our compromise position. You want a speaker. Well, here's Jim Jordan enough of us will go along with the Jim Jordan option and give Jim Jordan a chance and hope that Jim Jordan does good things. That is our compromise. If you want a speaker, here is your option. They are saying no, and they believe that we are going to want a speaker so bad that we will do something they want, but we won't do that. All we have to do is say no, which means that we must be satisfied with the option of no speaker indefinitely. And that's why I'm making that case. We do not need to give away our leverage. We don't need to back down off the demand of Jim Jordan as it currently stands. Again, not my demand, not my goal, but it's a Trump endorsee. And many supporters of the MAGA movement are calling their representatives, asking them to vote for Jim Jordan. If that's where we are right now, all good. It's not where I am, but if that's where we are, all good. We don't need to back down from that because the option is no speaker, which is an even better option. Their only options besides Jim Jordan are to deal with the no speaker situation, which they are not prepared to deal with. Or make a deal with Democrats, in which case uniparty right is exposed. And sure, it would only take five of them, but those five would be so exposed that the fallout would not be just on those five. And here's another dynamic that's worth thinking about as the Republican establishment, as the uniparty right and the uniparty left tell the country that we must have a speaker. They're telling us that's very important because we need money for Ukraine. We need money for Israel. We have to pass these spending bills, the national defense authorization act. If we don't pass that, Oh, our national security is going to be threatened, except it won't be. And then they're pretending that we won't be able to pass the farm bill. And that is going to cause Americans to starve. They didn't care about that while they were destroying people's jobs throughout 2020. They didn't care about Americans starving at that point. Also, we know the part of the global agenda related to farms involves seizing their land, changing which fertilizers they can use, dictating to them what they're allowed to grow. In fact, we saw farmers protesting all across Europe. Donald Trump imposed tariffs on China and brought $28 billion in for the farmers. They can taunt us with that argument all they want. There is no way the farmer blowback is going to hit MAGA because unlike the standard issue villagers on the uniparty left who are freaking out about the farm bill, the farmers themselves actually know what affects them because they're actually in business. They're not going to say, oh, those dastardly Republicans couldn't choose a speaker. Now I'm going to vote Democrat because they didn't pass the farm bill in time. All of these threats are meaningless, and you can tell they're meaningless. Why? Because the Democrats are not joining Republicans to vote for Jim Jordan, and they didn't join with the Republicans to keep Kevin McCarthy in his position. So they don't need a speaker that badly. It's certainly not their number one priority. Their number one priority is exercising as much leverage as possible, as this process plays out so that they can get their speaker choice and get the unit party right to come their direction. So any argument they make about needing a speaker, well, that's obviously false because they have something else prioritized above that. That is how we have to pay attention to these politicians. When they talk, they're going to tell us the reasons why they need something. And if those reasons aren't true or aren't supported by the people then what they're doing is something other than the people's business. And then you simply need to try to discern what it is they actually want. They make it clear that they are lying about their intentions and motivations. And when you see someone doing that, you have a very good indication that that person should not be trusted. They are asking for more power and lying about why they need it. That is not a profile in integrity. And it is not the profile of what we would want out of public servants. And that is what these people are supposed to be. Why don't we have the situation where in debates, the moderator of the debate is asking the candidates questions like, what does public service mean to you? We have all the leverage in the speaker race, which means we have all the leverage in the funding of these wars. Allow the regime, allow the Uniparty to expose itself to everyone. They will try to pin the blame on us, but it's not going to work. And more importantly, we simply have to withstand that. There is no point in having all the leverage if we're just going to give it away the first time they start saying mean things about us, or the 2nd or the third, or the fourth, or the thousandth, or the two thousandth, or the ten thousandth. It doesn't matter how many mean things these people say about us. They are groveling right now. You have to understand that's the real position they're in. It doesn't sound like it with their language. They're telling us what we need to do. Oh, it's going to be bad for you if you don't do what we say. But that's not true. They are groveling and they're making threats. The old phrase is beggars can't be choosers. They are trying to be beggars and choosers and threaten the people they are begging from. They think you're stupid and they are disrespecting you because they think you're stupid and that you aren't going to understand what they're doing, that you won't realize you have leverage. They believe That they are your rulers, that they are more important, that they are specially chosen for their positions and that they are better than you, but they are not your rulers. They are there to represent your needs in the federal government. They are there to represent the decisions you make, not to make all those decisions for you and claim that they're making them all on your behalf and in your name when they can't even fight for legitimate elections. They can't even call out election fraud that everyone witnessed in broad daylight. And so when you have all the leverage and they are overtly disrespectful to you, then you have the opportunity to increase your demands and say, Hey, I was trying to be nice. I was compromising. By giving you a speaker at all, I said, "Okay, you can have Jim Jordan because Trump said that that would be a good idea. And Jim Jordan seems like a nice enough man. And maybe there's a chance he could be effective. So that's your compromise. You get Jim Jordan. And then they said, no, 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 that's not going to be good enough. In fact, we are going to try to ruin all of your reputations. Then we're going to have these war narratives going on behind. And we're going to blame you for all those. And we're going to blame you for the border problem. How about that? That's when you say, oh, well, okay, Kami, that was very clever. You almost had me for a second. But here's the thing. Instead of all that, instead of that, instead of our compromise position where we give you Jim Jordan, here's the new position. We're going to go ahead and vacate Congress until you all stand up and fix our elections. And you're not going to do another day's work of the people's business that you're pretending to do in Washington, D.C., Until you fix the elections. No speaker. Until our elections are made legitimate. That is the new deal. How about that deal? Now, all of them know that our elections are rigged and stolen. They are literally participating in the process. They spend their time begging for money from donors. Their job is primarily fundraising and then deal making to be able to further implement the agenda of the global regime. You know that. Of course, they know it. They cannot stand up for legitimate elections because they themselves are not legitimately elected. So why would you empower them to do more of the quote-unquote people's business knowing that if you have maximum leverage, then you get them to meet your demands. We do not have to be shy in our demands. Demand legitimate elections. Otherwise, no speaker. Simply vacate Congress. Leave the building empty for the next year plus or until we have legitimate elections. If these congressmen want jobs, they should go around the country speaking to their constituents about Rigged and stolen elections. Expose the system to them. Admit what the system is and how it has affected your role as a congressman. Tell the constituents about it and then let them decide whether or not they ever want to return you to that body. I have a feeling that for most of these congressmen, the answer will be no. And if the answer is no, why would we empower them to go back to work right now? We have the leverage. They are the beggars. Beggars cannot be choosers. And if beggars are not only acting like choosers, they are insulting and disrespecting you along the way. Well, then you say, no deal. Remember, I have all the leverage. So now my demands have increased. That is how it works. And instead, we have people who simply cannot leave behind these instilled behaviors that linger from all of our time within the party of false decorum. We want to be respected by people who hate us. So we will do things for them, thinking that they will then respect us in return. What do you think your thank you will be for allowing the uniparty right to guide your decision making? If you decide to compromise with them, what do you think your thank you will be? Your thank you will be them going and passing another continuing resolution to commit you and your progeny to indentured servitude for an extended period of time. That is what your thank you would be for going along with the uniparty right. That is the unity they are asking for. So today we had the third round of voting on Jim Jordan's candidacy for Speaker of the House. We've been covering all of those live on Badlands. And so we watched the whole process. And that process is pretty silly. The acting speaker pro tempore comes in as the house chamber populates. He starts the session. Then they have a little prayer. It's hard to even call it a prayer from the chaplain. And then they do the pledge of allegiance and then they take attendance. They have a roll call and that takes a good 30 to 40 minutes. It is a 15 minute vote. Everybody has to note that they are there. And then because. Somehow they're not able to manage doing that in 15 minutes. They have to wait another 15 or 20 or 30 minutes. It takes our house of representatives 30 minutes to take attendance. And after they've taken attendance, they have a ceremony where the clerks walk in and take their seats. They grab their pencils ready to mark down the votes of each member. There are three of them so that they can make sure if a mistake is made, Someone else is going to catch it. And then they have nominating speeches. So today, Kevin McCarthy got up and nominated Jim Jordan. And rather than talking about Israel and Ukraine, as Elise Stefanik and Tom Cole have done before him, Kevin McCarthy, who seems to be learning on the fly, instead focused on the fact that the House passed H.R. two, the strongest border bill ever. Did it become law? No, but they passed it. And so they're going to take credit for it. And this is probably smarter on Kevin McCarthy's part than continuing to talk about Israel and Ukraine. But this is a sales pitch to Republican voters out there to MAGA to America first saying to them, if you want that border problem we've caused fixed, you're going to need to support someone as a speaker. And once we get that speaker in, Oh, we're going to fix the border except they won't fix the border. And there's nothing they can do to fix the border. It's just not going to happen. He like his colleagues is lying about the reasons we need a speaker. He is telling us how it's going to benefit us after seeing two of his colleagues do the same with Israel and Ukraine and realizing that the answer on those two issues is a good firm no. And of course, Kevin McCarthy had to sound like these are all lofty goals. They're doing very important work on behalf of the people. We need a speaker to move forward and do what the people sent us here to do is govern. It's govern. Let us govern. No, we're not going to let you govern. No one is buying it. We don't need you to govern. We don't need you to send money to Ukraine. We don't need you to send money to Israel. We don't need you to pretend you're going to fix the border. We don't need to hear about the National Defense Authorization Act or government shutdowns or the farm bill. We don't need to hear about any of it. Vacate Congress. We do not have any assurance that any of you sit there in any legitimate capacity. Which is not to say that none of you could have won your elections. It's that the elections are unverifiable. No one's able to check. And until we're allowed to check, until we're allowed to fix that system, you can't do anything else. That's the answer. It's no. Across the board, no. They govern without the consent of the governed. This is explicitly the situation that our founding fathers discussed. These people do not have any legitimate authority to represent our needs, much less rule over us and govern us. This is a clown show. And yet people in our movement on our side, very based in red pill are still out there talking about how we have to be responsible and elect a speaker because we need to do the people's business. You are repeating what you're hearing on television. Why do you need to do that? Why can't anyone tell me what the Congress is going to do for us? Oh, well, you know, they're going to pass a, uh, a border security measure. Oh, oh, cool. What is that going to do? Is that going to fix the border problem? Is that going to deport the tens of millions of illegal aliens in this country? Is that going to restore Donald Trump as the duly elected president and recognize him as such publicly? No, it's not. Is it going to fix our elections? No, it's not. If we don't fix our elections, how are we going to fix any of those other problems? How could any of those other problems ever be fixed? If we don't have legitimate elections, they have no reason whatsoever to do our work on our behalf. That's not their job. They don't believe it's their job. They're telling you it's not their job. They know what you don't want, and they are telling you that is exactly what they're going to do. Why can't anyone give me an answer? On what we need the speaker for now, Matt Gates actually does propose some answers. He says, we're going to have single subject appropriations, spending bills, and they're going to be brought to the floor by this new speaker. And we're going to have open house votes on each and every one of these spending bills so that we can see where everyone stands. Now that is speaking my language. That would be a nice thing to see. Do I think we will see it? Are we guaranteed to see that with a Jim Jordan speakership? I'm not sure that we are. Is that a better outcome than keeping the house empty? I don't think it is. It doesn't attest to the legitimacy of the body or the members pretending to serve in it. It does not force any of them to actually do their work on behalf of the American people. They are going to have distractions and cover stories to paper over all that. Hope to do it all behind closed doors. Get the members out there. They will vote for some of the spending bills and not for others. They will make the calculations of exactly what they can get away with. They will tell their constituents, well, I did hold out on the bill for Ukraine. You saw that, right? And yes, sure. I went out and approved of all the other spending, including all that other spending you don't want, but I didn't do Ukraine. And so you have to think that I'm really good because of that, right? Isn't that good enough? I did what you wanted me to do on one out of these 12 spending bills, but it could have been zero. Just think about how much more one is than zero. And yes, the spending bill still passed. Of course it was going to pass. That was part of the deal when we elected the speaker, but I did what you wanted me to about Ukraine. So that's how I think that would go. And, you know, Matt Gates can make that option, and I respect the hell out of Matt Gates. I think he's probably the best of all of them there. And maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe in the future I'll realize that's not true, but right now I am pretty certain that Matt Gates is the only person in that body, save for maybe a few who we can be reliably assured is doing the work of the people all the time, is actually working to benefit the America First agenda. So Elise Stefanik and Tom Cole failed in their pleas for money for Israel and Ukraine. They begged the people to go along with the program, saying, we need the money for Israel. We need the money for Ukraine. If we don't have a speaker, we can't do it. Do you really want to be responsible for everything that's happening in Israel and Ukraine? And that is basically how they're laying it down to us. How are we responsible for what's happening in Israel and Ukraine? That's not even our business. That's on the other side of the world. And everything we're being told about both of those situations turns out eventually to be false. So why would we want our extended indentured servitude to be committed to paying for that? Elise Stefanik and Tom Cole got a big fat no. Kevin McCarthy tried a different tactic. He said, hey, this is the only way we're going to fix that border problem. You have to do what we say now. Otherwise, you people who care so much about the border, or at least say you do, won't be able to fix the border. So you need to do what we say. Here's the answer. The answer is no. They have no speaker right now. Now, you might be like, aren't you kind of reversing the optics on this? They're not letting us have Jordan. We're not keeping them from getting no speaker. I think that's the wrong way to look at this. They are trying to exert leverage by refusing to elect Jordan thinking that they will be given concessions in that process in order to win their approval. But what they're really after is a different nominee. They want the majority of the Republican conference to back down on their support of Jim Jordan and choose someone else. In fact, they are meeting at 1 p.m. Eastern today with the Republican conference to decide how they're going to move forward to see if the majority of the conference still wants to back Jim Jordan after he has failed to be elected speaker through three rounds of voting. Now, again, if Jim Jordan's the good man we all believe him to be, it sucks that he's having to go through this process. It's probably not fun to be sitting there as your own conference, refuses to elect you speaker. But if he's who we believe him to be, then he's taking one for the team. He is a big boy and can take it, and we can thank him and praise him once this process is over. We do not need to do him favors. We do not need to do favors for the uniparty right. They want Jim Jordan removed and someone else nominated. Maybe it's Tom Emmer. Maybe it's Steve Scalise again, although that's probably unlikely. There are other choices that they might be more comfortable with. We do not have to say yes to those choices. If at some point Jim Jordan drops out and they replace him with someone else, the answer to that person is no, because again, this isn't about Jim Jordan. This is about the process and what the ideal outcomes are for the America first position. We have the leverage. We do not give away the leverage. We do not compromise with people who we have leverage over while they are disrespecting us and trying to fool us. It is all right out there in the open. It is not acceptable to simply revert to all these little phrases, these idioms that we came to accept over time, like all politicians are corrupt and liars. And so, therefore, we have to accept the fact that they are lying to our faces and we just Root for our team and pretend none of it is even happening and that none of it affects us. I think everybody's seen that this stuff actually does affect us as they destroy our country and our culture and our communities and our families and our ability to earn a living. And they trample on not only our human rights, but those rights guaranteed to us in the very document they swore an oath to uphold. We cannot continue to sit there and watch them as they lie directly to our faces and still empower them to keep doing the job they are not actually doing. So McCarthy finished with his very inspiring nomination speech for Jim Jordan and then turned the floor over to the Congresswoman from Massachusetts Catherine Clark. And you might remember Catherine Clark from the first round of the speaker votes back in January when they elected Kevin McCarthy. She is the batty wine mom who would more appropriately only ever be yelling at private school principals. And just like Pete Aguilar on day one, she had a very clever and cute potentially viral element to her speech. She talked about how two one two was the area code for New York city. And it was also the number of Democrat members in Congress who would be voting for Hakeem Jeffries. Now they didn't all actually show up. So her cutesy little moment didn't work, but she said over and over again, 212 is our call. You get it? A phone pun. The Democrats are trying to make the argument that Hakeem Jeffries has received the most votes in all of these rounds for Speaker. And they did this in January, of course, as well. So he should be the Speaker of the House. And he eventually may well be if some of these uniparty right members go and side with the Democrats to elect Hakeem Jeffries. And once again, you might think that's scary. You might think the blowback is going to hit MAGA, but it's not scary. And the blowback won't hit MAGA. Everybody is going to realize that the Republican Party is just like the Democrat Party. The Uniparty right and the Uniparty left are the same thing. They are one another's controlled opposition. They exist to support the other. It is a tickle fight. You could call it kayfabe. They coordinate their opposition to advance the same global agenda for profit. They don't want these jobs because they like representing the will of the American people. They want these jobs so that they have power. And with that power, they can collect money for doing the work of transnational corporations tied in with that same global agenda, tied in with the World Economic Forum. This is whose work they are doing when they are in Congress. So Batty Wine mom, who should be spending her time shouting at private school principals, gave her speech on how 212 is their call and Hakeem Jeffries is the man for the moment. And just to make sure you don't think I'm being unfair to Catherine Clark, who, by the way, has a transgender daughter named Riley Dowell who was sentenced for assault on a Boston cop. We discussed this months and months ago. She is one of those all cops are bastards people who likes to go out and do her little activisms with Antifa. She was caught spray painting a monument in Boston Common. And during her arrest, she struck a police officer in the face. And again, she is a he. She is the daughter, but really the son Of Catherine Clark, the Democrat minority whip, her son, who now identifies as her daughter, struck a plea deal with prosecutors in that case to get the charges dismissed after writing a letter of apology as if he was in eighth grade trying to get out of detention, which makes sense because his batty wine mom's best skill is yelling at private school principals. And apparently getting charges dismissed for her son who identifies as her daughter, unlike all of those people still trapped in the D.C. gulag for doing the exact same thing or actually even less. But here's Catherine Clark. Let's just take a moment and listen to this woman just so you don't think that I'm being unfair to her. Two twelve. it's a New York area code and it's our call for a speaker of integrity, intelligence, and inclusion. 212 is our call for a speaker who will protect our children, our veterans, our planet. 212 is our call for a speaker who will grow the middle class, lower costs, create good paying jobs, (laughs) and make healthcare affordable. 212 is our call for a speaker who will secure Liberty, justice, and opportunity for everyone. How inspiring. 212 is our call. It's honestly like they're trying to produce catchphrases so that they can make t-shirts and then show the country that there really is all of this momentum behind them. It is all a charade. It is all a show for the stupidest people on earth. The standard issue uniparty left villagers eat this stuff up because they believe the world is a kindergarten classroom. They are child brains. I've explained that countless times on this podcast over the years. But legitimately, these people think with the brains of children. They operate on emotions. They operate on social incentives, punishments and rewards as if they were in the middle of a kindergarten classroom. They want to be praised for their good behavior. They love it when everyone can join in and say the same things. They like coordinating their outfits. Remember when they all wore white to Donald Trump's State of the Union? I'm not just trying to say that they're stupid when I talk about them being child brains. They have the brains of children. They are not mentally and emotionally developed. They want to act like everything is their school classroom. Trust me on this. I've been around countless of these people. It describes almost everyone in Hollywood. She is quite clearly performing for the cameras. It's the uniparty left's opportunity to grandstand and tell everyone watching about all the good things they've been doing. And they think all of that is very effective because it will be recycled and replayed throughout the uniparty left media apparatus. But any person who's awake and watching that is further understanding just how bad all of these people are for the country, their agenda is is not supported by virtually anyone, and they're still out there proudly advertising their support for an agenda that no one really wants. That's not good for them. So she nominates Jeffries, McCarthy has nominated Jordan, the voting process begins, and now we have more votes for someone other than Hakeem Jeffries or Jim Jordan than we have ever had before. Another round of the process concludes without electing a Speaker of the House. They have gone back and had their meeting. And breaking news, just coming across the old wire, Jim Jordan has now dropped out of the running for Speaker of the House. And to catch up on some of that news over the last hour, Jake Sherman from Punchbowl is kind of the go-to guy for all of this reporting. Any of the analysis or opinion stuff, you have to understand is to be viewed from a uniparty left corporate media perspective. But for the minute by minute stuff, that sort of thing doesn't really matter. He can have sources there on the ground reporting to him. You can question the reliability of those sources if you like. But he is just reporting what's going on for the most part. He said around 2 p.m. Eastern, just caught up separately with Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise on Jordan's prospects. He asked, should Jordan drop out? McCarthy said that's a question for Jim to answer. Scalise said yesterday there was a lot of conversation about whether we keep going. And Jim talked about that himself. I'm sure members are going to continue to give a lot of feedback because we're not there and we got to get there. The Republican conference had their meeting. And after that meeting, it was revealed that Jim Jordan lost in that vote. He no longer has the majority support of the conference. 122 to 86 was the final tally. Sherman says Jordan went down handily. Kevin McCarthy called the eight who ousted him the crazy eight again. He declined to say whether he'd get back in the race. Unfortunately, Jim is no longer going to be the nominee. He said, we'll have to go back to the drawing board. Sherman reports that Kevin Hearn and Jack Bergman are two candidates for speaker. Scalise will not go for the speakership again. He said Jordan doesn't have a preferred candidate for speaker. And the word is now from Patrick McHenry that a candidate forum is scheduled for Monday an internal party election on Tuesday. That's one of these behind closed doors votes and then a floor vote likely on Tuesday as well. So they believe there is going to be some new candidate and they will have a vote on that on Tuesday. Now, if Jim Jordan wasn't acceptable to the establishment, it is very hard to imagine that anyone better than Jim Jordan would possibly be acceptable to the establishment. Therefore, you can assume that whoever the majority of the conference agrees on will be bad for MAGA. And maybe that's the intention. Maybe they want to put some more moderate candidate up there so they can attempt to shift the blame back to MAGA and back to Matt Gates and the other seven when that person remains unelected. Maybe they go so far as to try to find a candidate for whom Democrats will join with Republicans to help elect. And we are going to see these leverage games play out once again. The Uniparty right probably believes at this point that they can shift that balance in leverage onto Matt Gates and the rest of them, and they will probably be aided in that mission by the Uniparty right media and influencer class. We will have the Mark Levins and Ben Shapiros and all of the Ron supporters out there suggesting that some other strong conservative should be chosen now that Jordan is no longer in the running. They might bring back up the idea to make Patrick McHenry a temporary speaker of the House, which is not really a thing. So I would imagine that by Monday or Tuesday, we'll have a pretty good idea of who the Republican conference is going to put up. Now, some people have suggested that some members might not show up for the vote or might vote present, which would reduce the number overall of yes votes to any given candidate to allow them to win. The Republicans have 221 members and the Democrats have 212. So if, for instance, 10 Republicans didn't show up for the vote, then Hakeem Jeffries could become speaker with the 212 Democrats he already has. Would Republicans fail to show up to vote, thereby allowing Hakeem Jeffries to win with 212? I suppose it could happen. Will it happen? I doubt it, but it could. And maybe they think that they can sell that as a principled stand because of how badly we need a speaker. They didn't go and vote for Hakeem Jeffries. They just voted present because they wanted to be responsible without supporting the Democrats. And maybe they think that they can get away with that. I don't believe that they can. One Republican member today the total uniparty right cuck from Wisconsin, Derek Van Orden, who just yesterday was tweeting at Rick Grinnell, bemoaning Matt Gates and saying that he and his merry band of tricksters broke the house without a plan to fix it. That uniparty right clown did not show up for the vote today. Instead, he traveled to Israel on what he calls a fact-finding mission. He said it was to keep his solemn promise to the Jewish people because he, as a 26 year veteran Navy SEAL, says he does not trust the Biden administration to accommodate Israel's needs in this time of war. He said, after retiring from the military in 2014, I made a solemn promise to the Jewish people that if anything, like what took place on October 7th, 2023 were to ever happen, that I would help them and their nation to the best of my ability. I am keeping that promise. And this is more or less what we saw Malcolm Nance do back during the beginning stages of Putin's very brutal invasion. Van Orden said, As a retired Navy SEAL and combat medic, I am uniquely qualified to objectively ascertain the ground truth and bring that information back to Congress, where I can hopefully increase the sense of urgency for my colleagues of both parties to put aside their petty personal and significant political differences and act in the best interest of America and our beleaguered allies. So he is going on a fact-finding mission. And he is going to go over there with a little magnifying glass like he's Sherlock Holmes and search for all the real facts. Oh, I'm going to collect all the facts on the ground. And then I'm going to come back to America and tell all those people who didn't go on a fact-finding mission what the real truth is. Oh, (laughs) it's true that whole thing about those decapitated babies. And Hamas really did bomb their own hospital. And the United States is in grave danger and under threat of possible attacks by paragliding go-karts. And we were told, of course, that last weekend, Chuck Schumer and Mitt Romney already went over to Israel. And of course, there is a photo of them hiding in some janitor's closet or something, taking cover from the Hamas bombing. We also saw Olaf Schultz of Germany stage an entire scene on a tarmac That they were ducking, they were literally ducking and covering on the ground from incoming Hamas fire. Except for the fact that you can see in their video across the runway, other people just walking around as normal. And we even saw a similar action scene filmed by dignitaries from the UK. So now we have had political officials from three different countries travel to Israel to judge the war zone on their own all three of whom filmed scenes of them evading enemy fire, just like when Joe Biden bravely met with the comedic actor in Kiev and the air raid sirens went off. And we will have more of that in just a couple of minutes, but let's close out this speaker talk. Maybe more of these congressmen will travel to Israel. Oh, what a perfect excuse for missing the vote. Let's just find a way to get 10 Republicans to miss the vote. And then Hakeem Jeffries can become speaker without any Republican help. They will try to sell that to the country. It will be MAGA's fault. It will be Matt Gates's fault. And then they will pass all of those spending measures. It seems like that might be what they're angling for. Will it work? Of course it won't work. In the aftermath of the failed vote for Jordan today, Andy Biggs penned this letter, Andy Biggs being one of the eight who voted for the motion to vacate. This is signed by six other members, not all seven. Ken Buck, of course, abstained. I don't know how in the world Ken Buck even voted for that motion to vacate. It's pretty funny that he did because everything else he has done has been in opposition to these other seven. But Biggs wrote, dear colleague, the recent passage of the motion to vacate the speaker has caused rancor, hurt feelings and acrimony in the House Republican conference. While we stand by our actions, it is our goal to proceed forward with our colleagues, our teammates, our fellow Republicans in a manner that embraces reconciliation. It has been suggested the conference cannot move forward until there are consequences for each of us. While we violated no rule of either the House or Republican conference, we understand some in the conference wish to punish us. The actions we took were never about us. They were to change Washington for the better. The House now needs a speaker, and we have a speaker-designate in Jim Jordan of Ohio. Therefore, if the holdouts who refuse to vote for speaker-designate Jordan would be willing to vote with the team and elect him the 56th House speaker, we are prepared to accept censure, suspension, or removal from the conference to accomplish this objective. We remain proud members of the Republican Party as nominated by our respective districts. What unites us as Republicans is more important than our disagreements. We must now come together to elect Jim Jordan. We offer this sincerely and with the hope of unity with purpose. Our fidelity to Republican virtues and principles remains unwavering. So a nice and conciliatory message from Andy Biggs signed off by his six colleagues who, with him and Ken Buck, voted for the motion to vacate. Matt Gates reiterated those sentiments to the press on the Capitol steps.
2: Have no goals, have no asks, have no objectives other than to see the eight of us suffer some consequence for having removed McCarthy. So we've made them an offer. The eight of us have said that we are willing to accept censure, sanction, suspension, removal from the Republican conference. We, of course, will remain Republicans. We will continue to vote with Republicans on Republican principles. But if what these holdouts need is a pound of our flesh, we're willing to give it to them in order to see them elect Jim Jordan for speaker.
1: And this is more of that leverage game being played. If you want to blame it on us. Blame it on us, go right ahead, and then do the thing that you're supposed to do, which is vote for Jim Jordan. Oh, you don't want to do that? Oh, I guess it's about something other than punishing us. And that's why this stuff is necessary. And it's why it has to play out in public so that people understand what the actual state of play is. Imagine getting any of this from the mainstream media. Would you understand anything about this process? And I don't mean because I'm telling you, I mean, because the way you all are looking at information, the way I look at information, the way our community broadly looks at information is entirely different than how people consumed information 10 years ago or five years ago, or even prior to the COVID period. They used to be able to just put out one narrative. And everyone would believe it. And everyone would just go around saying, yeah, you know, we really do need a speaker. It's time for people to be responsible. I know that they did something that they thought would be good, but it turns out that it isn't good. And we need people to be responsible. We need these people to do the people's business. We need these people to govern. Everybody just repeating the slogans and the slogans and the slogans, getting all the same analysis from all the same sources. Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, Mark Levin, Britt Hume's dumbass, as we'll hear in a little bit and we would be able to exert no leverage whatsoever because we wouldn't really know what's going on. We wouldn't understand the tenor of the debate. We wouldn't understand the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs, where the little pressure points are because we wouldn't be paying proper attention because the media would never tell us. Now we have the people involved telling us what's going on. Certainly not all of them. Many of them are lying to us, but we are getting information we would have never had before. It would be so easy for the people on TV to be able to blame Matt Gates and these other now six, you can't really count Ken Buck in there. It would be so easy for them to place that blame. And then all the pressure would go on those people and the people supporting them. They would all get shouted down as irresponsible, stupid, crazy. All the things that they have said about MAGA now for eight years, all the things that I used to believe about MAGA for the record. And also for the record, the same thing happens on the other side. The unit party left uses these same exact tricks, but the tricks don't work anymore. All the process is playing out in the open. People can see it. People can know the tenor of the debate. They can know what matters, the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs, and then we can guide our own decisions based on real information and not this second and third hand nonsense fed to us by the mainstream media on behalf of the regime that they support. Now, here's the thing about these speaker votes. We've had one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday, and now one today, Friday. The process is going to be suspended for the weekend. All of the members were sent home. They're going to come back on Monday, have some behind closed doors meetings Monday and Tuesday, and then they're going to bring it back to the floor. That's the plan as it stands now. But you got to wonder why they're doing this. You can't imagine that Jim Jordan thought bringing these votes to the floor was going to get these holdouts to switch positions and go ahead and vote for him. Now, again, I am a true proponent of all of this being shown to the public and having everyone go on record with who and what they support. So I am totally open to the argument that the process itself is the goal. That's the win. Show this all to the public, that's the win. No speaker, that's the win. All in on all of that. And if that's the only reason they're scheduling it, all good. I'm not sure that's the only reason they're scheduling it. They are messaging each day that by the end of the day, we will have a speaker. That Jim Jordan will be the speaker. We were told that Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, and this morning. Jim Jordan will be the speaker. Could they have actually believed That they would get Jim Jordan across that 217 mark. I really doubt it because they didn't come close any of those three times. So you then have to wonder if any effect was caused by them communicating that Jim Jordan would be the speaker at the end of the day. Do any other events get accelerated? Do any other events get emphasized? On Tuesday, we were dealing with the hospital in Gaza story. On Wednesday, right after the vote, we got the protest in the Cannon House office building by Jewish Voices for Peace, who are themselves or were at least joined by a bunch of devout communist activists, BLM Antifa style a very violent insurrection by leftist activists that may well have been executed for the purpose of convincing Americans that anti-Zionist Jews are necessarily communist activists when they are not. And then last night, we get a speech from Joe Biden begging America for its consent to allow themselves to be committed to an extended period of indentured servitude so that we could fund wars in foreign lands that we are not involved in. Joe Biden was demanding that Congress would act when they can't act, and they're not going to be around over the weekend. In fact, a whole bunch of staffers of congressmen, these are rumors and reports coming from the Capitol, but that the staffers of many of the members of Congress We're getting really upset and threatening to resign if they had to stay at work over the weekend. This is what they think of their jobs and of public service. Those staffers are there playing the same power games that the congressmen themselves are playing because those staffers are the ones having the communications with lobbyists and various special interests and trying to make promises wheeling and dealing with the congressmen who they are meant to be assisting. They began complaining that they have families and lives and they have things to do. They have plans this weekend. They can't just stay at work to elect a speaker of the house. I mean, who even cares about that, right? That's honestly how these people are. While they are complaining and telling America, we desperately need a speaker of the house so that we can fund these foreign wars. The fake president went out on TV and embarrassed himself not only by warmongering and lying, which we'll get to a bit of, but by asking for something that cannot be delivered. And not only can it not be delivered tonight or this weekend, as it could have been if they elected a speaker, it can't come until at least Tuesday night. But there's no reason to think that we will have a speaker that night either, unless the uniparty right and Party left decide that their only way forward is to Just reveal themselves to everyone. And again, they may well decide to do that. And a lot of people on our side are going to get very scared of that possibility. They will feel like we didn't use our leverage properly. We should have compromised when we had the chance. But you have to understand that is not a bad outcome. Our purpose is the awakening, it's not keeping a person with an R next to his name as Speaker of the House. Not only is that not the ultimate goal, that is not winning the war, that is not even winning this battle. You must realize by this point that the R next to these people's names makes no difference to them and makes no difference to us. The outcomes are the same. You do not need to feel better while you are being screwed. Oh, we're being screwed by Republicans. Well, at least we won that rigged election and aren't getting screwed by those Democrats. What does that mean? What does that mean? And we actually do have people out there thinking that we have to let go of all of these mindsets, all of these thoughts. These are not sensible thoughts. It is not better to get screwed with Republicans in office than it is to get screwed with Democrats in office. In fact, it's actually better if they bear the brunt and responsibility of us getting screwed. And the country all understands that waking everyone up was never going to be easy. It wasn't always going to be comfortable. We're going to have to take a little blowback now and then. But rather than cowering in the face of that blowback, we simply say, oh, really, You think that you are going to win through these means? We are more than happy for you guys to do this and wake up more people and we will continue to steamroll you at every possible turn. No speaker is the best speaker. The Uniparty revealing itself before everyone is a pretty good option too. They were not going to accomplish anything on your behalf. They are illegitimate in the first place, and anything they could accomplish would be accomplished with the approval of the global regime, of the illegitimate Senate, of the illegitimate president. You're not getting an America first agenda passed just because there is a speaker with a little R next to his name. Also, they are not stopping the agenda from moving forward as Republicans. Nothing Kevin McCarthy did stopped anything, anything. The hearings were worthless. The impeachment inquiry hearing was worthless. They have done nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing has been slowed down. Nothing has been made better. They are just allowing the agenda to march forward as they were doing before. It does not matter whether it's Kevin McCarthy or Hakeem Jeffries, if all the same things are going to happen and the same things are going to be pushed forward. Again, we have all the leverage. This is not even a game of chicken where there is a chance that something might turn out bad for us. They want us to think that. They want people to respond to that. They want people to get scared and back down. But that is when you make it clear that there will be no backing down. We are going to keep driving straight in this direction and will not waver. And let's consider the pressure they intend to apply to us. Republican Influencers Online. The uniparty right media, the Mark Levins of the world, and from the other side, the fake President Joe Biden. That is what he went out there for last night to convince Americans that they need to get on board with the global regime's agenda relative to Israel and Ukraine. That is the whole kit and caboodle right now. They are trying to make this a moral imperative. If anyone in the country refuses to support, They're extended indentured servitude in favor of Ukraine and Israel. Those people are the most evil people who have ever walked the earth. Those MAGA extremists just trying to destroy everything again. But that's not working because Joe Biden is a fake president and the people are not behind Joe Biden. They're not even close to being behind Joe Biden. He cannot sell these things. He cannot even speak truthfully while trying. And the people understand that. So let's get into a little bit of his attempt from last night. Joe Biden is reportedly coming to us from what is reportedly the Oval Office. I believe that the only other time they have done a scene with the fake president in the Oval Office was for Joe Biden to push for the passage of the debt ceiling deal back in the late spring, early summer. Americans,
3: we're facing an inflection point in history. One of those moments where the decisions we make today are going to determine the future for decades to come. That's what I'd like to talk with you about tonight. You know, early this morning, I returned from Israel. <clears throat> they tell me I'm the first American president to travel there during the war.
1: 20 seconds into Joe Biden's speech and he is bragging about something that does not matter at all. The first American president to ever travel to Israel while Israel is at war. Israel has only existed for 75 years. And over that time, there has been a substantial amount of war there. You have to wonder why. But Joe Biden is the first and only American president to ever travel there during wartime. Now, why in the world would a real American president be subjecting himself to any danger to go to Israel right now? Is there some dire situation there that the Israeli military can't handle that Israeli leadership can't handle? Well, that's certainly not true. There's no way to describe it as that kind of situation. So why is Joe Biden, the real president of the United States of America, taking this great risk to travel to this active war zone in order to do what? Inspire the Israeli people? Bring assistance to Israel? He hasn't done any of those things. So why did he go there? Oh, that's right. It's a photo op. He's trying to make everything seem real. He's trying to make himself seem like a leader on the world stage when everyone can tell that he's not at all. It was that same trip where Joe Biden did the interview in what we are told is Air Force One with Kareem Jean-Pierre and Anthony Blinken and John Kirby all looking at him in abject horror as he can barely speak and his chin looks like it is melting off on either side, like someone attached truck nuts to Joe Biden's lower lip. Joe Biden looks like the wrong end of Benjamin Button, but he begins his speech by bragging about traveling to an active war zone. Imagine if Joe Biden were actually the real president and that was actually a dangerous war zone he was traveling into and he made the decision to go do that strictly as a show of leadership and force and support for Israel. That would be such preposterously bad decision making. And I can't imagine there's anyone out there who would disagree with that. That would be an absolutely terrible decision on behalf of America and the American people, for a real American president to fly into a dangerous war zone for a war in which we are not involved. That would be an enormous risk for very, very little reward, only a public show of togetherness. And who around the world is believing that? Who is being fooled by that? Certainly none of the players involved Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping are not like, oh, well, I guess Israel really means business. Now, Joe Biden has traveled over there to show that America is a strong ally. Well, gosh, we're going to back down. That would never happen. So he's not doing that. It wouldn't work on anybody. That is for an American audience. And he would never subject himself to any sort of risk. neither would anyone else just to show that to an American audience. You don't need that. Who was that going to impress? That didn't impress anyone. And he looked ridiculous the entire time. He was reading off a note card in front of Benjamin Netanyahu. And then after their little performance ended, while the mics were still hot, he said that nothing would change. I played that clip yesterday. Nothing in Washington changes. So he went, over there to look like a good, strong ally and show leadership to an American audience and failed to do that. And for all of that, the real president flew into a real war zone. And we are just supposed to believe that who at this point would believe any of that. Yet Joe Biden is still bragging about it in his Oval Office address.
3: I met with the prime minister and members of his cabinet. And most movingly, I met with Israelis who had personally lived through horrific horror of the attack by Hamas on the 7th of October.
1: He visited with people who lived through the horrific horror of October 7th. Horrific horror, otherwise known as just horror. Thank goodness the adults are back in the room. As I told
3: the families of Americans being held captive by Hamas, we're pursuing every avenue to bring their loved ones home. As president... There is no higher priority for me than the safety of Americans held hostage.
1: No higher priority than the safety of Americans held hostage. That must be why he unfroze $6 billion for Iran in a hostage exchange. But it's strange because somehow he has not been able to retrieve these hostages yet, even though it's his highest priority. And even though he is the real American president, and even though these hostages are are likewise very real. Joe Biden talked to their families. Like so many other, I'm heartbroken by the tragic loss of Palestinian
3: life, including the explosion at the hospital in Gaza, which was not done by the Israelis. We mourn every innocent life lost. We can't ignore the humanity of innocent Palestinians who only want to live in peace and have an opportunity. You know, the assault on Israel echoes nearly 20 months of war, tragedy, and brutality. Inflicted on the people of Ukraine, people that were very badly hurt.
1: So he's very, very concerned about Palestinian life, and that is good. And he wants everyone to know that he's concerned about Palestinian life affected by that bomb that blew up at the hospital or at least in the parking lot next door. And he wants everyone to know that it was definitely not the Israelis. And you can trust him to nail it on this intelligence. Just like last week, when he went with the decapitated baby story before finding out that that wasn't true and having to withdraw those comments. And because no one really wants to admit that it's not true while warmongering, everybody just went along pretending it is true, that it's just still true. And we also have to pretend that the media initially reporting that the Israelis had hit that. Hospital in Gaza. That is a blood libel, you see, but it's not in the other direction when people are accusing Hamas of decapitating babies because they argue that's just something Hamas would do. And because they're the sorts of people who would decapitate babies, then it's true that they did decapitate babies even if they didn't. And because they decapitate babies, you can know how bad they are, which is. What proves they decapitate babies? Isn't that fantastic? Just that circular logic working around and around and around again. And then if you accuse Israel of something, it is a blood libel, even though they have made mistakes in the past that kill people. But you see, the thing is, Israel as a state, not the Israeli people, we're not talking about them, Israel as a state would never intentionally hurt civilians. Therefore, when they do, it's an accident, not something that they would do and do do and have done. It's just an accident and you can't hold them responsible. Even hinting that Israel might have made a mistake like that is a blood libel, but suggesting that Hamas decapitates babies, even though there's no evidence of that story being true. It's something they would do, and therefore it's true and not a blood libel. It's not immoral to accuse that group of atrocities because it is something that that group does. Joe Biden's take on all of this can certainly be trusted. Because like Israel's defense forces, Joe Biden doesn't make mistakes on these things, except with that decapitated babies thing. And for Israel's defense forces, you know, they participated in the decapitated baby story, of course, and had to retract their statements. And they don't make mistakes besides that, except with the whole, they knew this attack was coming and didn't do anything about it. Mistake. Whoops. And you see what's happening in Israel. It echoes what was happening. 20 months ago, when Vladimir Putin launched his very brutal invasion.
3: ...brutality inflicted on the people of Ukraine. People that were very badly hurt since Putin launched his all-out invasion. We've not forgotten the mass graves, the bodies found bearing signs of torture, rape used as a weapon by the Russians, and thousands and thousands of Ukrainian children forcibly taken into Russia, stolen from their parents. It's sick. Hamas and Putin represent different threats, but they share this in common. They both want to completely annihilate a neighboring democracy, completely annihilate it. Hamas stated purpose for existing is the destruction of the state of Israel and the murder of Jewish people. Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people. Hamas uses Palestinian civilians as human shields and innocent Palestinian families
1: Are suffering greatly because of that. Now, if all the things that Joe Biden was saying were true, then Russia would be very, very evil. But what he's doing is just repeating the central narrative, the state propaganda media's version of what's happened in Ukraine. But none of their version of what's happened in Ukraine has been true at any point. Story after story after story, thoroughly disproven. In fact, proven as fake down to the roots. We know about the propaganda efforts, the paid propaganda efforts over there. This stuff isn't a mystery anymore. Nothing of what he's saying can be trusted by anyone who has paid any attention. And I understand that there is a lot of the country who really hasn't paid any attention. And they believe the central narrative. They believe what they've been shown on television. But that's not everybody. And you gotta have some faith in your fellow man. We can see people waking up we can see public sentiment moving in our direction. We can't just discount that and say, yeah, well, everybody just still believes that story about Ukraine. Everybody doesn't still believe that. If they did still believe it, they wouldn't be opposing all the spending. Do you think people out there really believe that Ukraine is going to win? What happened to the spring offensive that turned into a spring summer offensive that turned into a summer offensive and then never really happened? Joe Biden goes on to say, That the Ukrainians have recovered 50% of the territories they lost. That's not remotely true. Joe Biden is only saying the things he believes that standard issue villagers also believe. And I say he believes it's certainly not him coming up with any of this. Joe Biden does not have it in his capacity to be able to do that. But whoever's putting this speech before him to read, they are trying to repeat the central narrative. And assuming that all of that is accepted, he makes a bunch of really interesting claims that I think have at least a possibility of seriously red-pilling some people. Listen to how he describes Putin's goals, and then ask yourself whether maybe Vladimir Putin is right.
3: Meanwhile, Putin denies Ukraine has or ever had real statehood. He claims the Soviet Union created Ukraine. And just two weeks ago, he told the world that if the United States and our allies withdraw, and if the United States withdraw, our allies will as well, military support for Ukraine would have, quote, a week left to live, but we're not withdrawing I know these conflicts can seem far away. It's natural to ask, why does this matter to America? So let me share with you why making sure Israel and Ukraine succeed is vital for America's national security.
1: So Putin is claiming that Ukraine doesn't have statehood and never did, and that the country was simply created and agreed to by the Soviet Union. And that's all actually kind of true. And this is going to sound strange to some people, perhaps. I think we've probably talked about this on the podcast before. I've talked about it on Badlands before. But think about how the world map looks. From the eyes of Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping, for instance, any of these sovereign world leaders who actually are not supporting this global regime, they do not believe in the U.N. agenda, the World Economic Forum agenda, the agenda of this rules based international liberal world order. Do you think Xi Jinping looks at the map and sees Taiwan as a different country, the way American media and uniparty politicians describe it to the American people? There is absolutely no way that he sees Taiwan as a separate and independent country. America's own policy is the one China policy. That means Taiwan is part of China and Hong Kong was part of China. Xi Jinping never looked at it any other way. Likewise, do we need to pretend that Vladimir Putin believes that the lines drawn on maps by those in global governance, part of the international rules-based liberal world order, does he look at the lines they draw on maps and respect them? Does he need to? And I'm not saying from the perspective of a world conqueror that he doesn't respect these lines because he doesn't respect borders and he wants to go conquer foreign lands. That is not what I'm saying. I am saying that he does not need to respect the authority of those who drew those lines on the map because all of them were part of that global regime and global regime pressure was exerted on those who had power in Russia. And that's why these countries, these lines on the map are drawn as they are. He does not have to respect those. If the UN came out and told us tomorrow that California was its own independent nation, would that require us or America first leaders to accept their determination? I think the answer is pretty clearly no. And we should understand that that is in fact the way they think about these issues. So Joe Biden can describe it as the Soviet union trying to recompose itself But that's not what it is. Vladimir Putin is not trying to start a new Soviet Union. He is just restoring and exerting Russian sovereignty the same way we expect America to restore and exert its own sovereignty in the future. Joe Biden instead has to qualify that as an invasion. And then he tries to conflate that situation with the Israeli situation. He is going to explain to us. The similarities in these situations and why we should fund both of them, even though the first everyone has learned over 20 months is a complete and total fabrication lies embedded in each and every element of that story. The whole thing being a massive waste of money, an enormous, spectacular failure on the world stage. Even the quote unquote European allies are backing away from the situation and he admits it. He just said Vladimir Putin believes and knows that if the United States backs away, if they stop funding and stop their involvement in the situation, the situation ends immediately because all of the other allies would back out as well. It kind of leads you to believe that the other allies have backed out and that the United States is the only element still involved in that situation. The United States protecting the proxy state, of the global regime in Ukraine. If they stopped, the whole thing would be over. Guess who else says that? Donald Trump. That's how that ends in 24 hours. The U.S. backs out. The whole thing ends. Vladimir Putin is telling the world, and Joe Biden is telling the world on behalf of Vladimir Putin, that the whole thing would end if the U.S. backed out. And he's saying that's why the U.S. can't back out. And the U.S. will not back out, according to the fake president. Isn't that amazing? Joe Biden himself just took responsibility for the war continuing in Ukraine. And to the ears of the standard issue, uniparty villager, that will all sound like a show of strength and leadership. We must stay because our cause is just, but to everyone who has seen through this, that sounds like, wait a second, you're telling us that all the killing could be stopped immediately Upon you withdrawing U.S. support from Ukraine and you're not doing it. In fact, you're asking for more money to keep that killing going as if we believe somehow Ukraine is going to win. Oh, that should be a massive red pill for the nation. And maybe we will come to find that it is or was. But people are not listening to this with the ears through which they heard all of this sort of talk when it was directed at Afghanistan and Iraq under George W. Bush. That's not how people are listening to this. The neocon thing isn't working and they can't put it on the back of a 9-11, especially after telling us that the very violent insurrection on January 6th was akin to 9-11 and that the attack in Israel a couple of weeks ago was Israel's 9-11. Not with all we know about 9-11, how is any of this going to work? The truth is, it's not. So let's hear Joe Biden tell us why Israel and Ukraine are basically the same thing.
3: You know, history has taught us that when terrorists don't pay a price for their terror, when dictators don't pay a price for their aggression, they cause more chaos and death and more destruction.
1: Now, apologies. We're going to hear him tell us why they're the same in just a moment. But I can't just let that go. Rewind 30 seconds. Listen to that again. And think about Joe Biden talking about himself as the dictator, and it is all exactly right. Vladimir Putin is not a dictator. Vladimir Putin has wide and overwhelming support by his people. He not only has the support of his people, he has the support of the people in the eastern third or quarter of Ukraine in the Donbass in those four different territories that all had referendums and voted willingly to become part of Russia. Vladimir Putin is not a dictator. It doesn't matter what the Western media says. It doesn't matter what Joe Biden says. He's not a dictator. He has the support of his people. But let's go on with the fake president.
3: They keep going and the cost and the threats to America and the world keep rising. So if we Don't stop Putin's appetite for power and control in Ukraine. He won't limit himself just to Ukraine. Putin's already threatened to remind, quote, remind Poland that their Western land was a gift from Russia. One of his top advisors, a former president of Russia, has called Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania Russia's Baltic provinces. These are all NATO allies. For 75 years, NATO has kept peace in Europe and has been the cornerstone of American security. And if Putin attacks a NATO ally, we will defend every inch of NATO which a treaty requires and calls for. We'll have something that we do not seek. Make it clear, we do not seek. We do not seek to have American troops fighting in Russia or fighting against Russia. Beyond Europe, we know that our allies and maybe most importantly our adversaries and competitors are watching. They're watching our response in Ukraine as well. And if we walk away and let Putin erase Ukraine's independence, would-be aggressors around the world would be emboldened to try the same. The risk of conflict and chaos could spread in other parts of the world, in the Indo-Pacific, in the Middle East, especially in the Middle East. Iran is is supporting Russia in Ukraine and is supporting Hamas and other terrorist groups in the region and we will continue to hold them accountable, I might add. The United States and our partners across the region are working to build a better future for the Middle East. One where the Middle East is more stable, better connected to its neighbors, and through innovative projects like the Indian Middle East-Europe Rail Corridor that I announced this year at the summit of the world's biggest economies.
1: Isn't that great? America is trying to make life better in the Middle East. Joe Biden wants to make the Middle East great again. And it's going to be great again because of the Belt and Road Initiative. That is what he's talking about right there. But that is Biden's explanation for why Russia and Ukraine are the same thing. If Vladimir Putin is allowed to get away with this brutal invasion, if he is successful over there, which, by the way, he already is. There's no changing that. He's already been successful. That game is over. But if that happens, it's going to embolden other leaders and adversaries. Who is Joe Biden talking about? Joe Biden represents the evil twin faction in the United States of America, the faction that supports the global regime and its agenda for one world global government, the rules based international world order. Who are the adversaries of that sovereign leaders around the world? That is what Joe Biden is saying. If Putin wins this, if we can't go all in in every one of these situations and stem this tide of sovereign nations taking back what is theirs, their international rules based liberal order will collapse. That is what he's saying in no uncertain terms. It just doesn't sound that way to the ears of the standard issue villager or to anyone who has not broken out of this kind of global world order mindset. Where we assume that the success of the United States of America is somehow dependent on the success of that global project. It's not. The idea that all these other countries are allies and somehow protecting American sovereignty is preposterous. They're also not protecting the American economy. We can live as a self sufficient nation. That is the entire point. We have seen what happens when we take all our industries and move them offshore to other countries. The rules-based international world order has enriched some people, some people, very particular people, those people who create businesses and have industries centered around the advancement of that global agenda. Those people do wonderfully and governments of the world make sure that they have opportunities to expand their influence internationally. And within America, our politicians use their power To ensure that those businesses can eliminate their competition and evade pesky taxes, eventually becoming monopolies and their products or services or platforms becoming so deeply embedded in American life that Americans can't even imagine living without them. But beyond those kinds of companies, normal Americans are not being enriched. We have a decent standard of life here, or at least we did. It's not as good as it once was. If things don't turn around and our currency collapses as planned, that standard of life is going to be diminished dramatically for pretty much everyone. And if that happens, what was all the good that was done by our being subsumed by this liberal world order? I mean, the whole point was that it was going to have this massive payoff. Where is it? Put all that
3: at risk if we walk away from Ukraine. We turn our backs on Israel. It's just not worth it. That's why tomorrow I'm going to send to Congress an urgent budget request to fund America's national security needs, to support our critical partners, including Israel and Ukraine. It's a smart investment that's going to pay dividends for American security for generations. Help us keep American troops out of harm's way. Help us build a world that is safer, more peaceful, more prosperous for our children and grandchildren. In Israel, we must make sure that they have what they need to protect their people today and always. The security package I'm sending to Congress and asking Congress to do is an unprecedented commitment to Israel's security that will sharpen Israel's qualitative military edge, which we've committed to — the qualitative military edge. We're going to make sure Iron Dome continues to guard the skies over Israel. We're going to make sure other hostile actors in the region Know that Israel is stronger than ever and prevent this conflict from spreading.
1: It's an investment for the future. That's what it is. It's going to pay dividends in the future. We're going to protect the liberal world order by protecting these regime proxy states in Ukraine and in Israel. And again, everything is two things. I'm not talking about the biblical Israel, I'm not talking about the Jewish people or the Israeli people. I'm talking about the global regime's proxy state that they set up in Israel. This is what we're being told Americans need to consent to the extension of our indentured servitude for generations to come as this same global regime and its bankers create fiat currency out of nothing and use it to support their proxy states. Why don't these global bankers just give that money directly to these proxy states as a gift of their own on behalf of these proxy states? Well, then if they did that, everybody would just know the money is fake. I mean, where would the value of the money come from if they just make up numbers and then start giving it away? You see, the whole point is that when they make up these new numbers, they get to pin it to the backs of actual people who will work it off and pay taxes over and over and over and over and over again for absolutely everything in their lives. That's why they have to make the numbers up out of nothing, give the numbers to the United States so that the United States can then give those numbers to Ukraine and Israel, who will then give those numbers right back to the American military industrial complex and other actors affiliated with that same global agenda. Gosh, what a system. Thank goodness. That is what we are committing ourselves to indentured servitude forever in order to support. Now, if you want to hear Joe Biden's full speech, by all means, go watch it. Every time I actually go through a full Joe Biden speech, this one was only 15 minutes, by the way, people get really upset. They're like, I can't listen to Joe Biden talk that much. And I understand that, but I think it's important that people hear what the fake president is saying in someone else's own words that come out of someone's mouth who we believe to be Joe Biden. But when a man's chin starts melting off his face, it's hard to be certain of anything. Now, you might say Joe Biden is a Democrat president and he is expressing a Democrat point of view on these issues. But if that was the case, why is he getting all the support from the Uniparty right? Oh, it's because they have the exact same agenda. They are both totally committed to protecting the global regime's proxy states. It wasn't just Joe Biden and the Democrats pushing all this support for Ukraine. That was the Uniparty right and the Uniparty rights media. They were out there just as hard calling people Putin lovers saying that we must protect our allies' borders or else Putin was going to try to recreate the Soviet Union by taking over all of Europe. All of those people, of course, supporting Ron Santis and Nikki Haley. And they were right back at it again. Check out Fox News' Brit Hume. Brit Hume, by the way, is a major election fraud denier. Brit Hume, with all that deep voice, all the gravitas. Oh, what a serious man. Always appearing on Fox's evening programming to lend some gravitas to their shows, his expert political analysis. Well, here he is discussing the fake president in his speech last night. And during these comments, just keep in mind that over the last few days, Joe Biden was canceled on by King Abdullah of Jordan and he did that interview on the plane where his chin is melting off and looks like truck nuts.
3: One of the best, if not the best, speeches of his presidency. He was firm. He was unequivocal. He was strong, as he has been, particularly uh, in recent days when he was before he went to Israel while he was over there. I was struck by the fact that he spent as much time as he did on Ukraine and I think it was a good thing that he did because the aid for Ukraine uh, package that he's talking about and further aid to Ukraine beyond that is in jeopardy and I think that he was hampered a little bit in that effort by the fact that he dare not really mention the best reason. I mean, he mentioned, broadly speaking, the best reason for sticking with it in Ukraine, which is that what would the rest of the world and its evildoers think if we pulled out of there? Because that comes on the heels of his having pulled out of Afghanistan, which arguably emboldened uh, all, of the, uh, all of our adversaries.
1: So that is Brit Hume, the conservative, gushing over Joe Biden's speech, talking about how strong Joe Biden's leadership has been over the last few days. That includes the time where he was canceled on by the King of Jordan and his chin melted off in the plane interview where he could barely speak, and his own top aides were looking at him in horror. How can this really be happening? And Britt Hume just gushing on Fox News. Why? Why was it so important to connect Ukraine to this? Because the adversaries, the evildoers around the world would be emboldened if we didn't send all this money. So Joe Biden is sending a 100 billion dollar request to Congress that they cannot fulfill anytime soon, certainly not within the next four or five days. One hundred billion dollars, that includes fourteen billion for Israel, sixty billion for Ukraine, ten billion for general humanitarian aid, seven billion dollars for the Indo-Pacific. What is that? Us protecting Taiwan at this point? One hundred million for Gaza, and $14 billion to process illegal aliens faster at the southern border under the guise of helping the situation at the southern border. He just doesn't want people to see the border problem. He wants to facilitate and quicken the process by which those illegal aliens enter our country and are dispersed rather than being held at the border. That is $100 billion worth of an extension of the American people's indentured servitude across generations in order to fund these other countries. $100 million for Gaza and $14 billion to Israel. Joe Biden actually got into talking about how bad it was, the problem of antisemitism, while at the same time, how bad it is, the problem of Islamophobia. So while he is sending this money, so Israel can eradicate Palestinians from the Gaza Strip, they can evacuate as they are being told to now. But then Israel is going to go glass The place. That is the phrase that has been used over the last couple of weeks by all the warmongers in the uniparty right, all of the Israel apologists. And again, this isn't about saying Israel is bad, and it's certainly not about saying Hamas is good, but it is about saying, look what our warmongers are doing and saying. And they are doing it while supporting an illegitimate president and sending our money all around the world telling us that it will never come around to sending our people around the world, everyone's sons and daughters around the world. They are talking about glassing a place. No concern whatsoever for the civilians because they say explicitly those civilians elected Hamas to lead them. Oh, their elections must be as safe and secure as ours. I'm sure the Palestinians are very happy to hear that Joe Biden is deeply concerned with the problem of Islamophobia while he funds Israel to then go in and glass them. I'm sure that they are heartened to know that they won't be hit with Islamophobia in the process. And the amazing thing about all of this is while Joe Biden is expressing sympathy for Palestinian lives and Islamophobia expressing sympathy for the lives of Israelis, the Jewish people wounded or killed in Hamas's attacks, sympathy for the hurt caused by anti-Semitism. He is still primarily funding one side of that. And he is using that whole narrative element, that controlled opposition that he presents being the good guy on both sides of that controlled opposition. Well, if he's sending aid to Palestine and he's saying he dislikes Islamophobia and he's actually just supporting the humanitarian causes, the humanitarian position on both sides, well, I guess that neither he nor any American will bear moral culpability for sending Israel $14 billion to glass Gaza or sending Ukraine Another $60 billion to support those Nazi battalions. No one's going to notice because Joe Biden is the decent man, the humanitarian savior of both sides in these conflicts, despite only funding one of the sides. Keeping in mind the fact that were he not funding that one side in either conflict, the problems would simply cease to exist. Now, here is J.D. Vance with a response, and people are cheering on this response, but this response still does the work of the uniparty right. He sides with us on Ukraine funding, but reaffirms the need for funding Israel.
2: Well, Sean, you you raise a really interesting point here, which is right now, America doesn't need client states, we need real allies. And if the Europeans aren't going to step up and actually carry their fair share, they're not real allies, they're basically depending on our generosity. And right now, uh, Sean, we just can't afford it, and we can't support the weapons necessary to fight a two or, God forbid, a three-front conflict if China invades Taiwan. We know right now, Sean, that there are artillery shells the Israelis need for their operation in Gaza that we have sent to the Ukrainians. Why have we allowed our industrial capacity, Sean, to get to the point where we don't make enough artillery shells to support our friends? And given that reality, why is Joe Biden going on national television and selling people on a Ukrainian escalation when Joe Biden is talking about the terrible tragedy in Israel? Whatever your view, Sean, on on Ukraine, it is a separate country and a separate problem. I think what the president did is completely disgraceful. If he wants to sell the American people on 60 billion more to Ukraine, he shouldn't use dead Israeli children to do it. It was disgusting.
1: That is not a refutation of the central narrative. That is not an opposition to the global regime's needs and their agenda. That is what controlled opposition sounds like. And I'm not saying that J.D. Vance is a bad guy and that we cannot support J.D. Vance. But all he's asking is that Joe Biden not use this very, very serious Israel situation to support more Ukraine spending. That takes for granted that this very serious Israel situation should be supported on its own. But the answer is no to both, to all of it. They can't hold the southern border stuff over our heads either. McCarthy tries to sell it in the House. We need this help for the border. Well, what's the help going to be? It's the help Biden approves of. What is the help Biden wants? The facilitation and the quickening of the processing of these illegal aliens. He wants to fund foreign wars. These are the same excuses given to us by uniparty right members of Congress, Elise Stefanik, promoting Israel, Tom Cole, promoting Israel, while Aguilar, on the other side, promotes Ukraine, and Kevin McCarthy promotes the border spending, convincing us that we have the exact same agenda that Joe Biden just spoke about and tried to leverage. Do you understand how all of this comes together. This is the uniparty right in front of you. We have all the leverage. We need to accept the uniparty showing itself to the public as the biggest possible win, even if it comes at the price of a speaker, Hakeem Jeffries, who would do the exact same things as any acceptable uniparty right speaker would do. That's just how it is. We have all the leverage. We have to withstand the blowback and we need to fully learn the lesson of these past few years. Do not comply. Just say no. They cannot advance without our consent. Do not ever give them the consent. However hard they come after us, it will not work if we simply laugh in their faces as we should always do. I will be back on Monday at the same reasonable time, on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network